Welcome to the Dr. Marcy Show on the Path Forward Utah. I am Dr. Marcy Campbell talking about strong mental health and about being aware of what's going on in our world around us, how we connect the dots between those two, how important a strong mental health and awareness is in our daily interactions, and especially helping us to kind of decipher all of the interesting um, ups and downs and all arounds post 2020. Today, we are very excited to welcome again to our show guest, Dr. Christy Kane. She came on the show back in June talking about the neurological impact of isolation and a fabulous guest. So we're super excited to have her today because um, after the show, I found out that she has another expertise that I believe Everyone needs to learn a little bit more about everyone. It's a really big deal in our society right now. So today she's going to be coming on the show talking about um, something that I think hopefully we can get into some adult talk on human sexuality, but more particularly, we're going to be talking about the impact and how it is that we can talk to children about healthy sexuality. So I'm super excited to have her on the show. Just a little bit of background about Dr. Kane. She is a um, psychologist, a PhD, a clinical mental health. uh, Oh, actually, she's not a psychologist. I think she has a doctorate in psychology, clinical mental health counselor, a CEO of her her, um, organization, and an author. We talked somewhat about her book, her new book, when she was on in June titled fractured souls, splintered memories, unlocking the boxes of trauma. And it's now available on Amazon Siegel book and at Deseret book. So welcome to the show, Dr. Kane. We're excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. This is, this is a fun, important talk. And I love the fact that you noted for both kids and for adults, because it covers both. It really does a fantastic. I'm excited that we get to learn from you today. So tell me a little bit about how you came to develop this expertise in human sexuality. You know, in my lifetime of being a mental health counselor, I've had a variety of individuals come to see me, a lot of couples, and oftentimes a critical factor in marital counseling has to deal with intimacy, um, in particular sexuality. And then as we move into this 21st century and all of the changes and the movement of gender identity, sexual orientation and understanding more and more often, I have young people in my office trying to understand sexuality and repetitively, I would hear comments of nobody talks to me. Nobody has the conversation. You know, my parents almost feel an aversion to talk about it. And so I decided to begin doing a lot of research and inviting parents to understand the importance of talking about healthy sexuality with their children. And at what age I I just was, uh, I just finished speaking at the national sexual exploitation and sexual abuse conference in Washington, DC. Um, I've also uh, been a guest several times on self touch on that podcast. And so it's a, it's a foundational part of us as humans and in our culture in particular, silence has been the go-to and that's really been ineffective in helping create healthy sexuality. So I really appreciate that myself in particular, I teach a course on abuse and neglect and I've done so for over 10 years. So 
um, from a therapeutic perspective in the past, I worked uh, in cases of abuse and much of the time it has to do with sexual abuse. And as we know in dealing with abuse, the really big problem that I call a huge problem is the secret. It's the secret that fuels the fire. And so when we are silent and when we don't talk about it, it becomes an intergenerational issue. It just continues to go on and on and fester, fester. And so I think sometimes sexual abuse in many respects occurs because we're not talking about it. If we had the opportunity to talk about it, even as children and as we get older, I think we would have the strength to stop some of that. And I think even perpetrators would have more strength to stop maybe some of the urges, et cetera, because oftentimes we see a lot of perpetrators, it occurred to them as children. And so then the secret continues, the silence continues, and then they go and do it in secret also. And I call that secret. It's the secret that fuels the fire. Mm-hmm. Is what I say. It's that secret that fuels the fire. So I really appreciate you mentioning the silence for yep. me in particular. I really appreciate that because I do think that is absolutely correct in when we're not talking about it in healthy ways, right? Maybe not in Hollywood ways, but in healthy ways. Uh, I think we can solve a lot of the problems associated with that in our society. So really appreciate you coming on and talking about that. So let's just jump in and talk maybe a little bit about um, children and why is it important to talk to children about healthy sexuality? We live in more so than any time in the history of our nation, an electronic based world that fuels images and fuels pornographic images and sexual content. Um, Even some of the most watched cartoon um, images by youth anime is very sexual and can be very suggestive and very graphic. And so we know based on research that kids today are exposed to sexual images and sexual content at younger and younger ages, even sometimes without the parents even knowing that it's taking place. Many, many times I end up with parents making a phone call to me. You know, I found out that my eight-year-old has been viewing pornography or my nine-year-old or my 11-year-old, and they're just absolutely devastated that a young person at that age would be even interested, let alone addicted or potentially addicted in viewing content. And so one of the number one reasons is just because of the electronic era. Second, by nature, we're sexual. And it's ironic in this culture that we tend to sexualize in a negative way. Like if you go to some of the European cultures, because the human body is viewed as so beautiful and amazing, they don't sexualize things in the same way that we do here in the United States. And so there's kind of a difference in talking about healthy sexuality and sexualization. And so it's really important that parents engage at younger and younger ages with their children to help them to have no aversion to their bodies. So we don't end up with body morphic disorders. And we have that in both young men and young women nowadays to understand it's okay to feel certain types of emotions and that that's normal and that they can talk about it and not be afraid. You know, I don't know if you saw this, but um, CNN did a fascinating study. They went and interviewed a bunch of freshmen 
about where do they go to learn about sexuality. And the freshman university students indicated they view pornography because their parents aren't willing to talk about it. And yet what they're seeing in pornography is tainting their perspective because what society says it should be and what pornography is showing them is opposite. Oh, I think that's fascinating. So like a large study or a large group or just a, like a, a classroom a of freshmen? Group, um, random, not of any particular class. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't indicate the number that they did. They just showed the results of a few of the interviews that they did with the young people. The one thing that I found fascinating, like the young men said, is in our society, we are told in that sexual realm, no means no. But in the pornography world, no means yes. And so they're like, you know, we get all these mixed messages and really they need to be able to go to the source, which is their parents or their legal guardians or an adult that they trust and have those conversations. The other thing we recognize is in a religious culture, oftentimes healthy sexuality comes out as a message of morality, which gets translated that sex is bad. And that's not the message because then what happens is young people grow up believing sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad. Then they get married and then all of a sudden sex is supposed to happen and people can't make the switch. And then you end up with a lot of conflict in the marital bedroom because of different perspectives of intimacy. And that's so, why. I'm, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that that's that could be why kids can't parents won't talk to kids because maybe the parents don't have it figured out themselves. Right. Yes. Maybe they don't even know what to say because they themselves never had it figured out because they never talked about it with other people, et cetera. So you can yes. see how this like can snowball, snowball, snowball. So I think the topic is is absolutely um, important for us to know much more about it. We're about ready to take a break here. So on the other side, I do want to know you know, how it is that you think that we can approach teaching children healthy sexuality. What are the tools that we have? What is the best way to go about it? Um, I know that there's effective ways and certainly parents are going to be very nervous about when to start this. Um, There's that delicate balance, I'm sure, between introducing ideas that maybe children shouldn't have versus the time period, the appropriate time period to talk about what, et cetera. So I want to ask some of those questions on the other side. You've been listening to The Dr. Marcy Show on The Path Forward Utah. you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch to. You can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833 Bible. That's 833 Bible. 833 Bible. 
Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. Order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you too. Call 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. With a Democratic sweep officially in place, we are now at the mercy of tax and spend economics. Get ready for runaway national debt pushing the further devaluation of the dollar. So if you haven't invested in gold, now is the time to protect your savings. Birch Gold Group is the premier precious metals IRA company in America. With an A-plus BBB rating and thousands of satisfied customers, Birch Gold can help you move an eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by gold. Go to birchgold.com slash radio for your free information kit. That's birchgold.com slash radio. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Welcome back to the Dr. Marcy Show on the Path Forward Utah. Here today talking to Dr. Christy Kane. We are brought to you and are able to do this podcast because of fedbyravensmedia.com and also one of our sponsors, Brixton's Baked Potato Restaurant in Ogden, Utah. It is fantastic if you've never been there. Stop by. They're very fast, very friendly, and there's nothing like it out there. Absolutely love it. So it will definitely... Um, fill up your stomach and it'll feel like, you know, warm, good soul, soul type food. So Brixton's Baked Potato in Ogden, Utah, and those sponsors of fedbyravensmedia.com. Again, we're excited to have Dr. Christy Kane on the show. She has an expertise in human sexuality today, talking about both the needs of adults in understanding and knowing more about human sexuality, and also how is it that we can talk with our children about healthy sexuality. So there's a couple of things she stated on the first segment that I want to come back to because they're pretty fascinating to me. The first one is to really emphasize that college-age students in a in a study um, said that they are turning to porn or pornography to learn about sexuality because their parents won't talk to them about it. And, you know, that's, that's quite remarkable. I, I know I'm old and we really didn't have access to sexuality like 
like Dr. Kane mentioned in terms of electronics and easy access. We didn't have that option back then, but I do remember feeling very uncomfortable asking friends about it. And quite frankly, knowing almost nothing because my parents wouldn't talk about it with me. And so you don't want to feel stupid to ask your parent, your friends about it because you assume they all know a lot more about it than you do. And then if you don't have parents who are open and honest about it, it, it can be really tricky. So it makes sense to me that college age students who feel that they don't know very much about it would turn to the easy, the easy go of just let's turn on my phone and see what's going on there to learn more about it. And of course, they're going to be receiving incorrect messages about sexuality through pornography. I can't highlight that enough, how incorrect those perceptions of sexuality are portrayed in pornography. Are there any in particular, Dr. Kane, that concern you, the messaging in pornography that's incorrect? Well, the number one thing that we see is that typically women are objectified and they're simply an object to be used. It also implies that even if an individual is saying no, that no does not mean no. And so it gives a lot of mixed messages. The other thing to recognize that is interesting in our studies is we find that more so than any history in our any time in our nation, women are viewing pornography and, and young adult women as well as men. And it used to be primarily people thought guys only viewed pornography, but we're actually seeing that both are. And in both cases, depending on the type of pornography that's being viewed, you can have the objectification of the individuals. There's also a false body um, presentations because oftentimes what is being viewed, individuals never necessarily meet up to those type of Images And so it creates a lot of self-image issue, body dysmorphic image issues, along with the wrong messaging about sex. There's really no intimacy, no emotional connection in the process of pornography. It's really just about sexual acts and, and extreme sexual acts in some aspects. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And I know, especially with our younger generations and, and those going into the 20s, that studies have shown there's certainly amongst the girls, a lot of body image issues because that's when um, social media became popular when they were younger, they, they followed that through so many in that generation have had access, easy access to pornography, a lot of boys, easy access to pornography. So I think these boys have high expectations or particular expectations of what the female needs to look like. And then unfortunately they are telling the girls, you should be looking like this, or why don't you look like this? Or why don't you do this to your body so that you look like this? And I just think that has created a huge spike in body image issues for girls. And now I know that it is for boys, it's rising for boys as well, but certainly the majority of body issues still is with girls and their bodies. And I, I think Pornography is part of it. Certainly social media is part of it, but it really stems from both of those stem from an unhealthy perspective of sexuality right. an unhealthy education regarding sexuality. And this one, I want to highlight the most. This is just my opinion an unhealthy um, teaching and focus from the media not just social media, but from the media and certainly from Hollywood regarding sexuality. I think they have pushed and pushed and pushed that the females need to do everything to not look like a female. <laughs> 
that's just my own stance. It seems like well, every time you turn around, there's another new procedure that a girl has to do that is not a natural looking female. And somehow that's the image that, 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 the, that people get or society gets. And it's like, oh, that's what the beautiful female looks like. When in fact, to me, it's just as that's just another way to make females not look like females, right? It's just over and over and over. Someone is pushing the change in the way a natural female looks. And so I think it's very confusing for both boys and girls regarding this, like, well, we want to be sexual, but the messaging is X, Y, Z, and it changes so often it's hard to keep up. And then they're turning to porn to try to figure it out. And I think this discussion needs to be talked about more in our society. So thank you so much. My next follow-up question is what do we do about it? So I was going to add to your point, too, when you mentioned boys. Also, the research is showing that young men, because the men that are portrayed in pornography have a certain body image. Right. It's also creating, like you said, body morphic disorder for young men because they don't feel they're ever going to look like those guys. Where do we go from here? The foundational is open and honest communication in the homes. Parents need to recognize that they need to become the source of helping children consider their physical body as beautiful and to be able to understand that sexuality, sexual intimacy is a beautiful, amazing experience at the right time, at the right place with the right person. There's a lot of research that shows that when parents have open, honest discussions around that topic, they actually help diminish desires of children to act out sexually beyond when it's appropriate at the right age at the right time. And so, you know, a lot of cultures say teach morality. We have to teach the beauty of healthy sexuality, and that will bring into young people's lives the understanding of when and why and how. And, and are we able to connect the dots? I think a lot of parents are afraid to talk about it because they don't want to mess up that moral or spiritual or religious aspect of their own belief system. So it's like, I don't want to talk about it because then I might mess it up. So it's just safer to say no, just no, 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 no. Right. And And as we know, in adults, that that hasn't worked. It doesn't work. There's too much of a disconnect when sexuality does become a, a, a daily part or regular part of someone's life. So the no, no, no message doesn't always work. So is there a way to connect morality so so parents can feel like I'm still teaching morality at the same time as the teaching healthy? So I think, yes, because the point is, I think we take that term of morality and set it aside and we teach healthy sexuality because healthy sexuality has morality built into it. Because when you're teaching healthy sexuality, you're talking about maturation. You're talking about body change. You're talking about sexual identity. You're talking about sexual desires. You're talking about when it's appropriate to act on those. And so when you take the full picture of healthy sexuality, morality naturally is a part of that discussion. Naturally is. Well, what's going to be fascinating, I'm going to ask you on the other side of the break is, what do you talk about at what age? Because I know parents will be very nervous. Um, Do you talk about it at five? Do you talk about it at 18? Or do I wait till they're 25? You know, (laughs) I just think parents are very nervous and we might need to break it down in step by step by step so they feel more comfortable doing it. We're going to do that on the other side. You've been listening to the Dr. Marcy Show on the Path Forward Utah. 
Welcome back to the Dr. Marcy Show on the Path Forward Utah. You're listening via fedbyravensmedia.com. You can find it live or streaming on all streaming services, or should I say most major streaming services. Today, we're talking with Dr. Christy Kane regarding healthy human sexuality, which we both believe that is very important to mental health for you personally and in society as a whole. So I think awareness regarding healthy human sexuality can benefit everyone out there. I'm pretty sure most people would agree with me. You're probably in your car at home. Yes, we can. Yes. Yes. Healthy human sexuality is very important in society. So I think a lot of us can learn more about that in this segment. I wanted to talk much more about the appropriate developmental time period to talk to children, to talk to your children about healthy sexuality and get some perspective from expert Dr. Christy Kane. So when do parents start talking about sexuality with their children? That is a great question. And oftentimes we're seeking age directives. So one thing I'd like to add in is maturity directives. So there are, there's the reality that some children mature faster than others. Some mature slower. And also there's a curiosity nature. So the first thing is, is that there should always be between like the ages of one and six, the instruction of what we call safe touching so that a child knows that no one should ever touch them in ways that are inappropriate. So between one and six, you have that safe touching very much. You also have the importance of telling them that their body's changing and developing, and they're going to notice different sensations. Parents can talk about those sensations in a way that's healthy without over-sexualizing. I think there's the fear of, well, if I talk to my kid about sex, does that mean they're going to want to go have sex? No. As a matter of fact, research shows that the more we're open and talking about important topics like healthy sexuality with our children, it does not increase a desire. As a matter of fact, it creates more healthy understanding and decreases in some aspects, the desire to look other places. Um, so that's your main age, like one to six. Then from that point on, it depends on the development and curiosity of the child. So as a child begins to ask questions like, where do babies come from? It's important to answer honestly, or I feel attracted. It's important to answer honestly. So, so wait a minute, I got to stop you right there. So if a child says, where do babies come from? And you answer honestly, what does that mean? Honestly, well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What do you say? A boy and a girl and a boy has a penis. And does that make sense? Like how honest yes. are we talking about here? At yes. what age? So, for example, I had it was a so it was a really funny story. My daughter, who is currently nursing her child, we were in Idaho for a funeral, and my sister has a five year old little girl. Okay, so my daughter is you know covered up and nursing the baby, and the little girl's like, "What are you doing?" And Carrie's not the parent, right? And so she's like, um, "I'm feeding the baby." Well, how are you feeding the baby? Well, with a bottle. Well is there a bottle inside you? And so my, my sister looked at my daughter, looked at my sister, my, and said, what would you like me to do? And my sister said, she's asking. So answer, tell her. 
And so my sister explained to this five-year-old how she was feeding the baby because she was asking. And afterwards, because it wasn't made in the big deal, it wasn't seen as negative. It wasn't made a secret. The little girl was like, oh, okay. So you have a bottle inside of you and it, it was fine. Mm-hmm. And so if they ask where do babies come from, it's appropriate to say that the baby grows inside because mom and dad have the ability to create a child and depend on the curiosity level, then you can take that conversation to where it needs to take. And so that's that important place. It doesn't work to say the stork created the baby. It's important to be able to say, um, Here's the journey and this is how it happened. So it's important to say, depending on the age level, you can talk about intercourse. You can talk about the fact that that mom and dad are able to be together and create a child. There's lots of different things that can be talked about in that aspect. So you you still suggest they use words that maybe having an understanding of the developmental understanding of anything is going to change from a five-year-old to a 10-year-old to even a 12-year-old, right? Incrementally, it changes. So maybe not too, too completely descriptive at the age of five. Am I understanding no, not correctly? Too descriptive. Right. There's, but you can also talk about intercourse. You have to remember the children are exposed to sexuality at age five, six, seven, eight, nine. So if you use the word intercourse, you simply explain what that is. I am shocked at what kids are exposed to nowadays at such young levels. And so if a kid sees a mom and, you know, on, on TV, they see two, an image of two people, you know, getting in bed together and they're doing something and a kid sees that, And comes to the parents and say, what are they doing? It's important to the parents to be able to say, well, our bodies allow us to procreate and have sexual intimacy. And this is exactly what they're doing and not to make it shame based. That's the problem. The problem we have in talking about sexuality is I can say to my five year old, you have a penis. Your sister has a vagina. Your dad has a penis. Your mom has a vagina. When two people get married, the penis and vagina come together to help create a baby. No shame, no sexualization, just a very simple facet fact Mm -hmm. for the little kid to understand. And the kid will probably go just like my niece did. Okay, thanks. Yes. All right. The problem is, is we add shame and secrecy. And we can't do that. And we've got to understand at younger ages, we've got to talk about it. Nine and 10 year olds have been found having sexual intimacy. So we've got to be able to to start explaining it so kids know that that's not something that they engage in, but that is something that their body can do until the right time at the right place with the right person. So when I talk ages, it's about maturity. If your 10-year-old comes home and says, Tommy told me this, is that true? Tommy told me that, you know, men and women do this together, meaning intercourse, and they say to you as mom and dad, is that true? Say yes. That is true. And yes, we can do that, but we wait. And this is why we wait because your body isn't mature enough. Mm -hmm. And you have experiment with that. Now you're not going to know how to manage those intense emotions. And so this is why we wait. And why, what I like about that is that the child at that point has felt free enough to ask the parent questions. I think once we start to shut down um, just the even 
asking of the question, then, you know, when they turn 15, 16, they won't come to you anymore to ask the questions. They'll go try to find answers someplace else. So I do think yes. that we need to, to answer the questions while they're young and remove the shame of the curiosity about it so that the child will still feel like they can talk to you about it as they get older and mature. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I've known plenty of children now who they're even after they're married or 30 will go to a parent and say, Hey, I'm not quite sure about this. Or what do you think about that? Or I'm having weird feelings about this and and being able to feel safe to talk about some of these issues as they age. And I think that it's, it's really important because quite frankly, our bodies do change as we age, even into adulthood. So I think it's great that the child would feel safe to come to you when they're younger because they're curious. And if you ask, if you answer it rather than shaming, or we don't talk about those things, then the child will feel free to continue asking questions as they age. So I I really do love that. We're almost done with this segment, but I have one quick question to ask you. What do you do? What do you suggest if a child asks you questions and you're not the parent? So that's why, you know, with my sister, she was like sitting there going, do I answer? Do I not answer? It's always appropriate to just say to a kid, you know, that's a really important question. And it's a question your parents need to answer. What if the parent, what if they say, my parents would never talk about it with me. What if you got a bunch of teens sitting around your table? My parents won't talk about it with me. Then I think it's still appropriate to say, you know what? I'll tell you what, I'll talk to your parents and I'll get back to you. Because we want to be mindful of that relationship. And you're right. There are a lot of parents scared to death about to talk to their kids about sexuality because they're not even comfortable talking about it with their own in their own marriage. I mean, a huge facet of healthy sexuality is being very comfortable in your own marital relationship to talk about your sexual needs, wants and desires with your partner. And I'm amazed at how many adults are like, I don't want to talk about that. And they don't even know how to talk about what they want. They don't even know how to allow themselves to have sexual feelings and emotions. And so it's tough, but it really needs to come from parents. I I agree. I think it's a culture that we need to really be emphasizing parents. This is how you can do it. You're the role for that. This is this is one of your jobs as a parent to talk about this. And so on the next segment, I really want to talk about what does healthy sexuality look like for adults communicating with each other so that then you can pass some of those things down to your parents. And I'm going to bring it full circle and ask about the European way that you mentioned the first segment. So I'm really curious what you have to say about that on the next segment. You've been listening to the Dr. Marcy Show on the Path Forward Utah with our guest, Dr. Christy Kane. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name is Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. 
Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Energize Health. Awesome and amazing day. Hey there, friends. It's John and Chelsea Jubilee. And today we have a message for you women out there. Are you premenopausal, postmenopausal, or maybe you're in the middle of menopause right now? Ouch. Listen, we have thousands of clients that have reported reversing all of their symptoms of menopause. Or maybe you have thyroid imbalances. Same thing for those women. Listen, this is your time. Absolutely. You can reverse all of those symptoms and you can be your real joyful, exuberant, and lean self again. Ladies, I don't care if six doctors told you you can't lose that fat after menopause or in menopause. You can. We have done it hundreds and hundreds of times, even in a medical setting documented. So make your action call today. Log on to EnergizeHealth.com, EnergizeHealth.com, or call 888-444-8895. That's 888-444-8895. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy to manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Welcome back to the final segment of the Dr. Marcy show on the Path Forward Utah. I want to do a little shout out for the Path Forward Utah and our main lead gal, Jamie Randa, who has put it together. The Path Forward Utah on FedByRavensMedia.com is a collaboration of expertise each day, Monday through Friday. We have someone who's an expert in the field on various topics that keep us moving forward, keep us moving forward on being in the know on those things that are really important, politically speaking, in our communities, in our country and in our world. My expertise that I've been asked to talk about is certainly what what the importance of strong mental health is in our relationships and in the perspectives that we have regarding awareness today, talking about the importance of healthy sexuality. And quite frankly, it's a very big part of having good mental health because we know with healthy sexuality, we have the ability to be intimate and connected in a very, I want to say, holy and, um, exciting, certainly, and important and valuable intimate way with another human being. And so learning more about what it means to have healthy sexuality, I think is an important topic for everyone out there listening today. So glad that you're with us. Appreciate you as our audience and certainly appreciate our guest today, Dr. Christy Kane. I promised on the other side, we would be talking about what does healthy sexuality look like for adults? Dr. Kane, what do you think? You know, that's a very 
great question. And it could be a loaded question, but healthy sexuality for adults from my personal definition means being comfortable with your own personal sexuality, recognizing that that is important part of who you are. And if you're in a committed marital relationship, that how the two of you, you and your partner together enjoy healthy intimacy and healthy sexuality. I think it's a great definition. It it really is a good definition. It, it still leaves a lot of curiosity for people probably though, of what, what does that mean and how do I get it? Uh, I've heard far, far too often um, people talking about how sexuality is not uh, exactly what one might be looking for in their marriages or long-term relationships. Um, You know, an unsatisfaction, whether it's someone wants it too much and I don't want it that much, or I feel like I'm just being used to the other side. Well, that person's my, my, my spouse isn't into it. It seems like they don't even like me. It seems like they don't even want me. It just seems like there's a disconnect oftentimes in coming together for both sides to feel like there's a healthy sexual relationship. The, the problem we have is that I think in our culture, there's a fear factor to talk about wants and needs. And there's a limited understanding that both have to do the same dance. So, for example, in many marriages, females want to waltz based on their perspective that maybe sex is bad and wrong and however they grow up. And men want to tango because they think that sex is how they relieve stress and they connect. And there's all these different kinds of things. Healthy sexuality is the same dance from both partners at the same time with the same understanding. And there are moments when sexuality is a waltz and there are moments when it is a tango. And the only way to create that foundation is conversation. Women and men need to talk about what they need and what they want and what they desire in their sexual relationship while they're dating. Women also need to understand that. So I want to stop right there because I don't know that everybody knows enough about sexuality while they're dating, especially if they're virgins. They don't know what it even actually means down the road. So what does that conversation look like? They can't say this is what I'm going to need when we're actually engaged in a sexual relationship. I don't know if they know what that even is. Well, I think the kids dating today probably know a lot of things. So, for example, just being blunt, there can be conversations of, are you comfortable with oral sex within the marital bedroom? But what if they've never done it? They don't know. Well, I can definitely tell you that young people dating may say things like, I'd like to try it or I have no desire to try it. And they need to have those conversations They also need to have conversations about perspective of being sexual. One of the biggest issues in our culture is that women in some aspects do not see themselves as sexual as men, or they have this perspective that they don't necessarily need sexual intimacy as much as men do. And that's not true. Women and men are both very sexually based individuals It's just their form and ways in which they connect are different. In many aspects, women want that deep human communication, intimacy connection that allows her to be sexual. And men are much more visual. 
And so there needs to be all those conversations. Um, I, I love share- that. Can I just repeat that really fast? Cause sure. I think that that is a root of a lot of miscommunication between men and women where women are looking for that deep interconnected, um, relationship, safe safety place for them that allows them to be more sexual and men are more visual. And when they can't have that, that communication between each other, where one says, Hey, I really need to feel that you care about me. I really feel need to feel safe with you. I really need to feel that you're thinking about me. And then I become sexual and he needs to say, Hey, I really need to be turned on by the way you look. And when I look at you, this is what is the feelings in me. I believe that's that type of communication that's very helpful. So I just want to repeat that in case people were, you know, not paying attention to that part. I do think that's a very great conversation to have. And that's where, and, and it also has to be an understanding that it's okay for women to desire sex, just as it is okay for men to desire sex. Yes. Sometimes the message. Hallelujah. Can I give a hallelujah from a girl? And sometimes the message has been, oh, it's not okay. And that needs to shift, but there needs to be frank, honest, open conversation of expectations, desires, and wants and exploration. You know, you obviously don't have that conversation on your first date, but when you're getting to the point of being engaged, there needs to be some very in-depth conversations on that area. I shared a story and everybody laughed when I spoke at uh, a conference down at BYU and my daughter and my son-in-law were soon to be married. And I had met the son-in-law's parents and I knew that there was going to be no conversation about sexuality for this young man. And I knew that he was very, very naive. So I had my conversation with my daughter. And then I said to my daughter, I'm going to have a conversation with your soon to be husband. And she's like, what? And I said, you and I both know his parents are not going to have this conversation. Well, so funny. My son-in-law was around my house all the time. And when he found out that his soon to be mother-in-law was going to have a conversation with him about sex, he disappeared. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't see him for days. And then they showed back up and I went, Hey, and he goes, really? And I said, yeah, you and I are going to go for a walk. And I had the opportunity to explain to him the female anatomy and the female needs and the female desires and how he could make sexual intimacy, a beautiful experience for his wife. And he did come back later and say that was a wonderful talk. And he was grateful that happened. We need to have those conversations. We need our young people to celebrate and be excited that sex is amazing and beautiful at the right time and at the right place with the right person. And I, I totally agree it. with you. And so both from the parents' perspective and from children's perspective, the ability to have a conversation about it is huge. The yes. ability. So number one basic that we can get from you today is be willing to have the conversation with your partner, be willing to have the conversation at the appropriate developmental stage with your children, mm-hmm. be willing to have the conversation in society in general, like we are doing right now to help educate each other, to have awareness about what healthy sexual relationships look like. And I know I'm almost out of time, but I want to give a good shout out to what you said something earlier, which is we don't view sexuality in the healthiest ways in the United States, where European countries do view the bodies differently and sexuality is approached differently. So please be aware, different cultures have 
an influence on how we have sexuality. And sometimes the cultures are not always healthy. Would you agree, Dr. Kane? Yes. And so we need to be recognizing that. So, for example, in Europe, they they view the body as this amazing, beautiful um, image, but they don't necessarily sexualize it. We tend to sexualize the human body all the time. And, and I, well, I think that's important. That. And I wish I had more time to, to go in depth on that. But please look it up, audience, that the body is beautiful and amazing. And we can do amazing things with our children by teaching them that their bodies are beautiful and amazing. And I would love to end it on that note, Dr. Kane. Thank you so much for joining us today. You bet. Thanks for having You've me. been a fountain of information and knowledge, and we really appreciate you coming on to see us again. So this, you've been listening to the Dr. Marcy Show on the Path Forward Utah. Until next time, hopefully you're going to get to have some healthy sexual relationship conversations. That's good.